Okay, good morning. I'm so glad you're here. And um, I just, I was telling some friends the other night, it's kind of intimidating when Dr. Jim Dennison asked you to sub for him. And the first time it happened, I was really, really worked up. I'm getting a little bit better now because you guys are pretty nice to me. And so I told some friends the other night, I said, for every time I'm tempted to wear sandals, some jeans, and a Columbia shirt so I can at least look like him when I start, even though I'm a girl. He always wears that. And I thought, well, does this make me look like I'm at least a little bit like him? And um, I've just realized that that's about the only thing we would have in common except for Jesus. And the fact that he is such a theologian, knows so much history, and I am so different from that because I'm not. But I love how God uses each one of us in the way we've been wired to do whatever it is he calls us to do. And, you know, I am a girl and he is a guy, and so that's a little different too. But I can't come in here and teach anything out of knowledge that I know or even just what I study. God has really shown me that the way I'm wired, if it hasn't been poured into me, kind of churned up in me, and made really personal to me, I can't teach it. So that's what makes me a little bit nervous when he asks me to be on the, on the schedule because I know God's coming and something's going to happen and it may not always be fun or pleasant, but in the end, it's a blessing. The two things that Dr. Dennison and I do have in common is the fact that we love Jesus and we love you. And it is a privilege to get to come in here. And so many of us are like-minded. And many of us where we are in our life is very similar. And it's a really unique situation, but it's such a blessing to get to share. Today, we're going to be talking about intimacy with God and others. And again, it's something he's been working into me, and I'm going to be teaching a little bit about a story most all of us know. You probably may not learn anything really new. You may be reminded of some things, but the majority of the lesson is going to be my illustration because it has messed me up this last week or two as we've gone through a personal struggle, but God's shown me how faithful he is. And today we're kind of coming out on the other side in a lot of cases, but I think you're all going to relate to it. The world's view of intimacy is very different than God's view. When we hear that word, we immediately think of physical intimacy. We don't necessarily think of spiritual intimacy, especially when you read anything out there in the world. Um, we probably don't think a lot about emotional intimacy when we in the world hear that word. But what we're talking about today pretty much is spiritual intimacy and how it kind of crosses over into worship and how you use it in your life and how we as human beings are body, spirit, and soul. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So kind of that emotional part goes into the soul part. When we are truly intimate with God, 
and truly, deeply intimate with other people, as in marriage, your body, your spirit, and your soul are all involved because it's the total human person. But today we're going to be talking about a story um, related in the Word of God about intimacy. I learned last week when we were home and our pastor preached a message. He was talking about the kings of Babylon. At the very end of the message, as I'm trying to ponder um, this today, at the very end of the message, he made a statement that I've heard him say before, but it's resonated in my heart all week. And that is kind of the thrust of this merit, I mean, of this message. The spiritual definition of intimacy is into me, you see. Because we are not intimate until we open up our heart and allow people and God to come into us so we can see and they can see. And that's truly what intimacy is, is the invitation of kind of exposing your heart and yourself to another person. True intimacy with God through Jesus compels us to worship. All of us probably know we're supposed to live a life of worship. We're all going to worship something, but God would like us to worship him. And in worshiping him, people around us get to see who he really is, especially if we have an intimate relationship with him. Worship isn't real worship until it's authentic, transparent, and expressed. Think about a marriage when your, your worship of God was not into that marriage and you weren't intimate it really and truly, if it wasn't expressed, wouldn't be very valuable, would it? If we just say we love our spouse, but we don't show them or live like we do, it wouldn't have much value to the world around us, and it wouldn't have much value to our spouse either. John 12 is a perfect way to, a perfect example of true intimacy. And in that, although we're not gonna unpack it, in that we can see such a contrast in these verses between true intimacy of Mary, Mary of Bethany, sister of Martha and Lazarus, and Judas. The truth is, even though he did not invite people, Judas, to see into him often, our value, what we're worshiping, shows up whether we have invited someone to see it or not. But what we're talking about today is when we invite people in, and that is what Mary did. So the scripture says, John 12, 1 through 7, six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So getting the picture, Martha's doing what Martha usually did. Jesus is there because Lazarus had just been raised from the dead. There, it, it, there is a dinner in his honor and they're reclining. A room full of probably men. They're reclining because they didn't sit at a table. They didn't have their feet on the ground. They reclined and their feet are kind of stuck out behind them. So it would be very easy 
for the next part to happen. Happen. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, I've always thought about this like if I, I don't know why this is what I think, but let's say um, there are a bunch of men in a private restaurant at a beautiful long table and it's all men and it's a business dinner and they're acting like men do when women are not around. It's not a dig to men. You just act a little different when women are not around. Your warrior side kind of comes out in full force. And this unmarried sister of his friend and his friend come into the room saying not a syllable. And because of what's in her heart, she probably comes up kind of beside or behind him with the most expensive thing that she owns, which was a very expensive type of thick oil. And she begins to lavish her most prized possession on his feet. And he lets her. And we know later, we're gonna read it in a minute, how Lazarus kind of tried to humiliate and embarrass her and what Jesus did about it. But I just want us to get in our mind what this picture looked like and how much courage or how much love it took for her to even come into that room, especially with her heart as heavy and full of love for Christ as she had. And once she did that, the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. You know, when I teach this, I wish I had a way to have some of that and we could all put it on our hands so that we could smell it for the next week because it got into his pores and I'm sure, I'm sure he smelled it on the cross and I'm sure he thought about her. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. So we see the contrast of these two hearts. God didn't make him bad, but the character and the contents of his heart set him up to be used to orchestrate the end of Christ's life. And then I love, I love, I know I'm a girl, but I love how in story after story, especially as as you go through the book of John, I love how Jesus, in a culture that disrespected women, continually respected them and covered them and kept them safe even when they weren't saying a word. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. 
She didn't defend herself, not a word, but Jesus defended her. How often do we think, and especially, I'm just going to say it in this culture, women feel this deep, and I don't even, I don't even have a word for it, need to be heard. And because of what's happened in our culture, I understand part of that. But the other part of that is sometimes I think, stop being afraid, walk in confidence, know who you are, have your identity in Christ firm, and know that he is going to cover you. So the scriptural definition, again, of true intimacy is into me you see. Before I tell this story, I just want to make sure I've hit the high points The first thing is, if you know a whole lot more about the Word of God than me, you probably know that there are more than one instances where his feet were anointed or he was anointed, and I think there's been a lot of confusion, so what I just decided to, um, instead of studying and trying to dissect it, there are some, some things we just can't know specifically. I think this is one of them, but I know that the enemy would like to bring a spirit of confusion, especially about these stories about women anointing Christ, and we're not gonna we're not gonna focus on that confusion because it's a spirit, and it's a spirit of the enemy. But in this, we see that this what what set this all in motion was the fact that he chose to let Lazarus die and raise him from the dead. That was his seventh and final miracle. And he knew when he did it that it was necessary to get them to believe if he could raise somebody from the dead. But also it, it had to happen um, because he knew that it would incite the Pharisees and cause the murder of Christ to be um, set in motion. And the fact that he knew that and then we read this right after that is quite amazing. Um, he had lots of fellowship with Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And they were like, I love to say they were familiar because it feels like family. Like, and so he went there knowing that only two miles east of there was Jerusalem because he's in Bethany was Jerusalem. And two miles east of there was the headquarters of the Pharisees. But he went anyway. Because he wanted not only to let her expose what was in her heart, but for him to expose what was in his. In other words, true intimacy. So he exposed himself to great danger, but he also did it so that she, they, and we, even today and for eternity, would see him exposing his heart, even knowing there was danger We talked about the fact that she took her most prized possession. What I love to think about is she took everything she had, everything in the physical, er everything she was in the physical, herself, her body, her, her bowing down, her work. She took everything she had. That was probably her dowry. She took everything she had, walked into this room because she believed everything he had said and she knew, although others didn't, I believe she knew he was really going to die. She might not have tomorrow. She might not have another day. And so I think sometimes I forget to live like I might not have another day. 
Um, I, I need to believe what he says about him. I need to believe what he says about me, and I need to activate that in my life. I love that she was so devoted, but she also was worthy, knew that he was worthy of everything that he had um, told her he was worthy and that he would, I love that he was going to honor her, but she trusted him to honor her, protect her and take care of her reputation, even if she did what she did. Um, and I believe that she saw him as a king and I believe she saw him as everything that she had been told he was by him. So she had extravagant love. And so, as we look at this um, intimacy um, topic or issue, I've realized that in our culture, as we become more and more competitive and compare ourselves and what we have is so much more important than who we are sometimes in our core. And I was going to use this illustration. I'm going to use this illustration because of what we've been going through. And it was interesting because God had already get, downloaded this message to me. And I was ready to go. And then last week started happening. And last May, Don and I felt like the Lord was starting to do a move in our lives, a big transition and change, and I knew that it was going to cost something. I wasn't sure what it would cost. I thought it was probably going to be materially, and it has been materially, but the blessing on the backside has been so extraordinary. I can hardly, like I'm I can hardly contain myself because I'm so amazed at what he did and what he continues to do. And even in the ooh part, the ooh, it's been, oh, but wait, on the other end, I've got a surprise for you. So I just want to bring this to encourage us all. Because we're spending so much time out here, we made a decision that the house that we built six years ago, that was the last house, the perfect house we were going to be in until one of us wasn't there anymore. Um, because we're spending so much time out here, we felt like the Lord was saying, you need to sell it. It's ridiculous. It's too big. It's too much. And you're going to thank me in the end. So Jonathan and Laura and Merrick were living with us at the time. So we waited until their house was finished. They moved out, put the house on the market the next, literally two days later, sold to the first people that looked at it, and it was gone in two days. Then they said, oh, would you like to lease it back until July? The end of July, we're like, heck yeah, that works really well because we don't know where we're going. Long story short, in the process of getting the house ready to even show, we started decluttering. And in the declutter, Don came in one day, and, I, and he looked at me, and he goes, I've got, a, I've got an idea. I said, what? He said, why don't we have an estate sale and sell everything and start over with just what we need? I thought, who are you, and what have you done with Don? He's going to come home and find out, we're going to be in big trouble. So I started processing that, which is the kind of the way God does for me, because I need to wrap my heart around the new thing and agree that I'm going to participate and obey. 
So we began to do that. Well, this last weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday was the estate sale, and they ran us out of there a week ago today so they could prep it. Now, we've been going through all our stuff, all our stuff, 40 years of marriage, and the attic, the walk-in attic, I mean, it, I mean, we were going through our stuff, so we walk out, Don kept saying to me, only pack what you want to keep, leave the rest in the cabinets, or, you know, leave it which is what I told my dad years ago, and I'm hearing my voice going, well, isn't that interesting? Are you going to practice what you preached? So we left, and as we did, it felt weird and freeing, but really scary and unknown. Well, we have security cameras, <laughs> so we could watch the entire thing. That took a lot of courage. Am I going to see that antique whatever go down the driveway and not be sad? Like, should I watch? Should I not watch? Well, it was like the kids came in and said it's like the pen reality TV show. You're like watching your home and all these people in your house and picking up your stuff and taking it. So during the process, I was like, I, I think this intimacy thing this into me you can see is real so now she, the the state company has sent me a link and if i'm really courageous and i let people see into me and all of my sin sinful buying stuff do i really want to post this on facebook and let everybody and their friends see into me so I'm sitting in the veranda in my chair I get the post I'm looking at it I can hear the Holy Spirit going post it it'll help her the estate company it'll help you and it'll help other people well I don't want anybody to know that I'm having an estate sale because they'll think here's what we Christians do they'll think I should be giving it all away Judas well, it would take me a month to give it all away, and I wouldn't still get rid of everything, and she's promised us a clean house when we go home today. Do I really want to post it? And as he began to just kind of gently push me, I hit post. And then I started getting all the Facebook messages, of, and I'm like, it's out of our hands. We signed a contract. You have to go. Okay, so... This was the post, and they made our outside look beautiful, so people came. But that was the post. The next thing I got was a text from a woman, or a Facebook message for a woman, and I don't really know how to use this pointer. Okay, this right here, that plate right there, I get this message from this woman, and she says, I saw a sweet 16 plate. Our kids got to go through everything, and what they didn't want we didn't keep, just, just saying. I'm not that big of a meanie. But anyway, this lady Facebook messaged me, and she said, I saw in, in all these pictures, she saw that plate. She said, my mom has dementia and doesn't remember, but she made that plate. And that was the moment I went, oh, 
And it's not just about me opening my heart to let people see. He is going to bless other people. He is going to bless me. He's going to bless the estate company. This is not about me. So I messaged her back and I said, was your mother in Bible study fellowship? A friend of mine that was in there with us ordered that for my daughter and she said, yes, she was. And she sent me a picture and she said, can I please just, will you put it back and let me have it? So I talked to the estate girl who was amazing. She said, I'll put it back for her. I said, please don't let her pay for it. Then the next thing was our doctor who went and she said, am I the only weirdo that wants to tell you what I got from your estate sale? And she begins to tell me this conversation she had with her daughter. That was one of the hardest things for me to get rid of. And one of the dearest people in my life got it, and I didn't even know she went. But she said, I want my children to know that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I thought, I think he's still up to something. And then... We get this picture, and it's Don's high school class from Midland, Texas, because his mother framed it, and the estate company says, this woman is buying this picture because she's in it. And at that point, I was like, okay, Jesus, that's all. I will quit complaining and quit. So my point is... When he asks us to lay something down or when he gives us an opportunity to lay something down or when he suggests to us gently, I've got something for you if you will let, I mean, we all know he already sees into us, but he likes for us to get down more intimately with him and invite him to see into me. And then when we let him see into us and then other people see the humility and the authenticity and the transparency, when the sarcasm and the jokes, which are really rooted usually in anger, go away and we start answering questions seriously and we start having conversations with people because we are not afraid to let them see into who we really are, then God can show up. So here's my challenge for all of us. When we feel like we're about to be exposed to the Lord or to someone else, are we really going to understand and really choose to cooperate and know that what we're really doing is washing his feet? We get to serve him. We get to be open to him. We get to hear his voice. We get to obey or disobey. But whenever we do something that might be costly or when something happens to us that we don't really understand, we have the choice to be authentic, be transparent, and let other people see Christ in us even when we're shaking in our boots and we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And can we just be reminded through our estate sale company and the lady holding that, I mean, she said, there are too many stories for me to even tell you until I see you. 
So when we lay something down, he always gives something back when our motive is like Mary's. She trusted him to cover her. She trusted him to love her. And she trusted him to accept what could have been considered meager to him, but huge to her. She knew he would accept her gift and she knew he would accept the core of herself if she exposed it. The good news is, he knew he would be in danger if he went, and he went anyway. He knew what she was going to do because he's God. He knew what would happen in that room. He did it for her. He did it for himself to be anointed before, but he also did it for us eternally because in heaven, we're going to meet her. In heaven, we're going to be able to tell her what all it meant for us to be able to take her story and, and activate that in our hearts. So let's pray. Father, you are so in control. And I think sometimes you scoot to the edge of the seat, Father God, in the balcony of heaven and want so much for us to just obey so that you can release all that you want to onto our lives. So if there is any place in our hearts, any place in our lives that we are not letting you, inviting you to see into us, if there's a place in our hearts where there is somebody we're in close relationship with and we don't trust them enough to let them see into our hearts, I pray that you would continue to knock on the door of our hearts. You would continue to woo us, call us out. And nobody knows how to speak to each one of us individually more perfectly than you do. Thank you for today. Thank you for this place. Thank you for Jim and Janet Dennison. Bless them wherever they are and bless each one as we leave this place remembering that you're everything you say you are and we are everything you say we are to you. Let us walk with that confidence and that integrity. In Jesus' name, amen.